The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Stockhead Rock Yarns. Today we're delighted to be talking to Mike Brown, who's the Managing Director of Chessa Resources. Now, Chessa has been very active in East Senegal, um, near the border of Mali. They are surrounded by some very significant multi-million ounce gold mines and projects. So they're in real elephant country, far to the east of Senegal, uh, recently, they've made some significant hits at an area, the Diamba Sud area A, uh, at drilling hits such as six metres at 5.6 grams a tonne and 15 metres at 3.4 grams a tonne, a really excellent start. And the company is currently, as we speak, in a trading halt, uh, raising some funds so that they can get in and uh, do some more work. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Can you just briefly tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you've done in in East Africa, uh, in West Africa particularly? Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having us. Yes, um, I joined the company about two years ago uh, on the basis that they had some amazing properties that had been unexplored. Um, and there aren't too many unexplored properties in favourable jurisdictions that uh, have had almost no drilling on them and had screaming anomalies, and that was that was a scenario. Um, as you mentioned, we're right beside the Senegal Mali shear zone. That's a belt that hosts 45 million ounces plus in in tier one assets, essentially company makers and tier one assets. Uh, so the opportunity for, for me um, as, a, as a geologist sort of turned commercial person um, was certainly jumped out, and uh, the, luckily the drilling uh, to date has has uh, backed up that that confidence uh, that may that may be moved. So, Mike, what drew you to these particular targets? Was there a soil geochemistry, or was it just the geophysics, or how did, was there a previous, you know, sort of artisanal workings, or, or what was it? Yeah, the good question. The previous owner had picked up the properties when they expired uh, from from Rangold's Holdings in in Senegal. They picked the, up the properties. There have been some old historical soils. They did more soils. Soils really don't work in this part of uh, West Africa where you have very old terrains, but they're very wet, mobilised terrains. So the standard soil chemistry that works very well in, in uh, Western Australia, for example, didn't work. The company adopted what Ocular Resources has used in, uh, to, to great success in, in Mali. Um, Simon Taylor is the MD at Oclo, is a director of the company. He originally saw the properties, liked them, put them into the Chessa company, Shell, that was looking for a project. And we applied, we did auger across the property. And so drilled quite a bit of, quite extensive auger across the property and identified a very, very large high grade anomaly, sort of a four, a circular sort of type uh, shape, four and a half kilometers wide, four and a half, or four and a half kilometers diameter all the way around, um, associated with intrusives, and seven kilometres due east of Guancoto, which is five and a half million ounces, 
part of the Guangkotolulu 18 million ounce complex that Rangold and now Barrick um, are busy advancing and been advancing for a number of years. And that is a tier one asset of 35 kilometers to the north of Fukola, which is currently 7 million ounces. I think that really is, they've only scratched the surface there. That will keep growing and growing. That was X Papillion's uh, project, which got taken out, 650 million. So, Mike, um, is the area, the topography, is it a sort of a savanna or are we talking jungle? I mean, how wet does it get? Is it a bit like working in the Northern Territory or what? Um, it's savanna in the sense that there's sparse trees. At the end of the wet season, there's six meter or six foot high sawgrass, which dries off in about two weeks. Um, so it's really open, flat, uh, rolling terrain where we are not even rolling, in fact. Um, there's a the main international highway actually goes right through the property. The border is is literally five kilometres away, and which is really handy for us. We send our samples to Mali, to Bamako, and, and the border, and the road go right through the property to take us there. So easy access. Um, the wet season is a wet season uh, because of storms and lightning. Uh, drilling really becomes problematical. So we, for health and safety reasons, don't drill through the wet season. I know some companies do. Um, so from mid-July to, to September, we, we're off the ground. But come October, uh, things have dried off pretty quickly. It's wet underground, but uh, it's, it's dry underfoot and we can get drill rigs on. And it's uh, francophone. Do you get your, your rigs in Senegal or do they come across the border, the drilling rigs? Both. At the moment, the companies we've been using have, been bait, have actually been in Senegal. But as long as uh, companies have the right uh, importation, customs documentation, uh, there is... There is no problem in, in getting um, rigs and companies from Mali, where there are certainly a much bigger uh, drilling services and infrastructure because of the industry size in Mali. Uh, Senegal really only started exploration, modern exploration in 2003 when the new mining code was adapted. MDL, Australian company, found uh, Sabadola, which became Taranga Gold, Canadian company, is operational. And so 2009 was the start of the gold industry, which makes Senegal such a uh, highly prospective terrain. It's, it's the same terrain that is in Mali and Cote d'Ivoire and Guinea, but it really exploration hasn't been done since, since uh, or really only started in 2003. And so is it remote power with uh, diesel, just like you'd get in the outback of Western Australia? Um. <clears throat> It is. We are about 40 kilometres from the end of the grid, so it wouldn't take much to extend that in, in the event of this uh, uh, hood turning into an operation. Obviously, in, in the exploration, early exploration phase, uh, that's not an issue for us. But uh, in future potential, there's, there would be a, um, an, a, an extension of the grid. And as we're seeing across on, on the Mali side, there's also an adaptation of solar energy, uh, solar power plants getting put in to offset that. In Mali, they're away from the grid. In Senegal, we're close to the grid. So um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that plays out. And it'd be interesting also as it develops with uh, Woodside and FAR developing their uh, offshore oil and gas assets and down the track, you'd expect quite a bit of gas coming in to provide uh, a power into Senegal and that might stiffen up that grid close to you. Yes, certainly there's lots of things open. I'm not exactly sure how much of local content of that gas it'll be liquefied, it'll be re-liquefied re and, and shipped off, I imagine, in those super trains. But um, certainly there's a developing grid. They recently 
commenced uh, recently uh, opened a 20 megawatt wind farm there we're starting to look at renewables and strengthening the grid uh, so yeah that's uh, all encouraging in terms of future uh, downstream uh, development so when does the wet season end there and when do you expect to have grids on uh, sorry drilling rigs on the uh, on the ground we would expect if if now weather patterns are, are, are changing these days but typically um, by the start of October, things have dried off um, enough to get rigs or tractor rigs onto the ground without any issues. Um, so I'd say that uh, all going well, mid-October, uh, early November, would we would uh, be out there drilling again. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we're, we're in a trading halt, so uh, there will be some financing being put into the Treasury that will allow us to commence drilling as soon as possible. We're really excited about the Area A, uh, in particular the discovery there. There's significant potential based on the alteration we're seeing. And so getting the drill rigs out there as soon as possible has been the reason for, for the financing that we're doing. At the moment. And, and what's the actual plan? Have you got the how many holes you're going to drill and do you know exactly where you're going to drill them or are you still sort of working through that through July and August? Well, we're still actually um, receiving results from our current program, which finished about two to three, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, so we've got... Um, probably one to possibly two, depending on how the lab sends them out, two more batches of assays to come in from our current program. Um, so really until we have get those final results, we won't have our, our program nailed. Um, but the the intent is is to start looking at Diambasud, at the, at the Area A area in particular, and starting pushing the drilling towards uh, what could go into a resource so a bit of infill drilling and extensions. The current drilling has identified two new, well, a new structural control in the in the area A. The intersection of two structures is a really favourable uh, zone for gold mineralisation. So I think the, in, the project is significantly enhanced in terms of its potential to grow into a significant resource by having a second structural orientation in, on the mineralisation. So once we get those final results in, We'll then be able to properly plan the drilling, uh, but looking at extensions on the, on this new structural control, uh, if we need to change drill rig orientations, et cetera, and then looking at uh, and firming up the resource and footprint that we have uh, from the current drilling. So quite a bit of uh, information flow over the next uh, month as those assay results come through. And with the drilling that you've done so far, is there much of a cover over the uh, mineralised zones and how deep? What's the deepest hole that you've drilled so far? Yeah, so it's, Peter, it's actually a blind discovery in the sense that there is no outcrop there. There's a thin veneer of, of transported alluvial and a bit of laterite goes into a very shallow saprolite. Uh, so oxide material down to about 20 to 30 metres, so really very shallow, which is what you see at Fakola also. There is no real oxide um, mineralisation component. There's a thin blanket, but it's very small. Um so it's it's relatively easy. It'll be shallow, uh, stripping, I guess, to 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 get to a potential uh, open pit material. The drilling we've have done to date has all been between sort of down to a hundred meters vertical, so all very shallow. We've done one deep hole down to one hundred and fifty meters, where we've got continuity of the structure through the main zone, um, the the primary or the first orientation that we found as a structure. So we expect that 10 to ten to 20,000 metres of drilling 
um, in, in the next phase starting in October, a mix of Diamond and RC, uh, which, as you mentioned, would get some great news flow coming hopefully from sort of towards the end of the year uh, right through to, to sort of March. And and you've also got that news flow from the results that are trickling in from your last program. Yes, so yes, so we'd expect at least two more two more uh, news items from that. We're also going to do a little bit of preliminary um, metallurgical work. The the mineralisation we've seen to date is all pyrite hosted, which is the same as what's in Fakola and Guangoto and Lulu. Uh, so no surprises in that sense. The only thing we want to obviously uh, de-risk is the possibility of refractory ore. Um, so we'll do some bottle roll tests on, on the uh, mineralisation and, and check that, um, which will obviously, it, it's not a metallurgical study per se, uh, but it'll tick a box as to, as to the nature of the gold mineralisation and how it's hosted. Yeah, most of the, um, the gold in that part of the world, I think, is pretty plain vanilla uh, metallurgically, so it shouldn't be an issue. Generally, the, 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 the only area that's not is Masawa, which Taranga Gold bought off uh, Barrack six months ago. That was associated with some intrusives. The mineralization within the intrusives was refractory, uh, but Taranga, that's only a, a small component of the total ore body itself. So you, you've hit the nail on the head. Regionally, there isn't um, a tendency towards ref, refractive ore, so we'll just see, we'll see where. So, Mike, um, you've effectively got a sort of five-kilometre-long zone of mineralisation. Will any of this drilling that you're planning be going out looking at the sort of fringes of that or a long long strike, or will you really be, you know, trying to build up a resource there in in the zone that you already know exists? Yeah, the the zone that we know exists sits on the sort of the eastern uh, Part of the property, right up hard against um, the barracks and barracks joint venture with IM Gold called Bambaji on on our immediate east. The anomaly, the auger anomaly that we have there is actually open and and we believe continues into. Uh, well, Barrack have actually said that they've got an anomaly also on their side of the property. So having an open anomaly going into barracks ground is is encouraging, particularly because Barrack have have announced both in the Q4 and Q1 earnings. That they're very active and they possibly have a discovery down to the south. Um, so that's very encouraging for us. The drilling at area A is is on a sort of one kilometer structure that trends into the barrack area. These new structures run down to the southwest and open for five five kilometers long um, in terms of the potential strike length there. So there's a, a large uh, footprint there. Well, we have a, a footprint already of about. 400 metres by 400 metres by 500 metres. And um, we will have open zone, we have open zones about 700 metres out to the southeast with Bamb- towards Bambaji and then another five kilometres on this new trend. So, so we'll be testing those extensions and infilling the current uh, footprint that we have, as I mentioned, the 300 by 500 sort of metre footprint that we have of, um, of mineralisation. Excellent. And so what was the market cap when you went into this current trading halt, Mike? So we were at um, just under nine cents. Um, so we're just under um, 30 million. Yeah. So, so uh, 28, to, 28 to 29 million with yep. 323 million shares outstanding. Yeah. So 
if this uh, work that you're going to be doing in the second half of the year was to indicate sort of a million ounces of resource potential there, uh, the market would probably give you at least $60 million of uh, of value for that, um, depending on the, you know, the quality of the results. And if you continue to get, you know, four and five and six gram a ton hits, uh, that is pretty high uh, grade, I would have thought. And and this intersection of these two uh, zones offers a very exciting, I would have thought, potential to find um, highly mineralised zones which could potentially persist at depth. Yes, as as I mentioned, we only have done one hole at depth. Um, the the grade the the grade on the main structure or the the primary structure down to the southeast is ranges between six and and nine grams over anywhere from ten to to twenty one meters in width. Um, so really high grade potential, and and all that drilling, all that is within hundred meters of surface. So there's a lot of potential to deepen our drilling within the existing existing footprint. Our focus is really on the first hundred and fifty meters. Um, so there's a bit there at the bottom that we still haven't tested in just to get to one hundred and fifty. Um, but given the grades and the widths, um, that that potentially in, in the longer term it leads itself to certainly an underground operation, and we're seeing underground operations. On, on the open pits at, at Lulu and Guancoto. So it's um, the grade in these systems is, is if we have the same luck as they did, um, they, they are high, high grades, uh, consistently graded over, over widths that are mineable underground. Um, and that obviously sets you up for those long life, 10 year sort of plus type uh, scenarios that are very attractive to mid tiers and, and particularly majors. Yeah, so the test is in an interesting position. When you look at it and you look at the geography and the geology where you are, um, the uh, your neighbours, I think, will be very interested. And I think uh, one of the challenges for Chesser will be uh, if you want to maximise value there, you want to show that you have potential multi-million ounce uh, target, which could be a standalone, but also then might be attractive uh, to one of your neighbours as a potential uh, for them to to come and knock on your door. Yes, it's uh, a good point, Peter. Um, I don't think we're limited, though, on that sense to to just a barrack or I am gold. Uh, there's been a big flow of uh, in of movement or big movement into West Africa. These operations, high grade open pit operations, aren't that common. And certainly not in jurisdictions as as solid as Senegal. I put Senegal, Senegal, Ghana, Botswana, and and Namibia. I put in the, sort of the Africa A division, as it were. Africa is a huge continent, and the risk perspectives are really go from one end to the other. Um, luckily, Senegal is 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 in uh, the 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 A side of the scale, as I put it, in terms of risk. So, with those sort of framework. We, and Barrack having a five million ounce hurdle, for example, um, I don't think our, our, the potential of interest parties is not limited to Barrack in any way. Uh, and this operation, even at a million ounces, could become a very uh, cash flow positive operation if the geology and the, and the metallurgy and, and and everything hold together. And the administration of Senegal, the, the government there, they seem to be very switched on when it comes to resources and mining and the former 
mining minister there was a geophysicist and she was uh, very you know positive about what was going on there so um what but what's happening in Senegal with respect to the the, the uh, pandemic at the moment how are they uh, uh, working to uh, to ameliorate that yeah they were unfortunately one of the first countries in Africa to get the first reported cases from a traveler uh, from from France uh, who had been skiing in Italy. Um, so unfortunately, they got it early, but cracked down uh, very, went into a very immediate sort of lockdown on international borders, traveling. There are, my understanding to date, were there sort of in the order of a, around about 150 deaths, um, which for a nation of, uh, in the, the poverty levels are, are fairly high. Um, so in that sort of environment where not a lot of people have, well, there's large segments of the population that, that don't have a house to, to really live in and to, to quarantine and curfews, um, then um, it's, it's they've done an amazing job to keep the rates as low as they're, they're published. Having said that, Mackie Sal, the president, who's, who's actually an ex-geologist, um, has been into quarantine, has just come out of it recently, but they've lifted the curfew on, on it. Um, and to date, they seem to be going well. They haven't had the flood of, of patients to the hospitals, which was always going to be the risk um, yeah. in, in this, those sort of undeveloped countries or developing countries where yeah. they don't have the health infrastructure. And you're far to the east, away from the population centres in any case. Yeah, and, and they did make the mining sector a, uh, a an essential sector or strategic sector. Sector, so the mines have been able to continue operating. I haven't heard of any issues at, at either Taranga or Mako, which is op operated by Resolute. Um, so travel is allowed. There has to be quarantine if you're coming into an area or leaving an area. Uh, we've been able to get our, our uh, samples across the border in Mali to uh, to the lab in, at Bamako. So there have been some logistical delays, but there have been no real impacts. Um, and touch wood that they continue on this path and they can sort of sail through uh, with with no severe downturn, I guess, in, in the situation. So this is an addition to the original rock yarn that we did with Mike a couple of weeks ago on Chesa Resources and their activities in Senegal, but we were about to publish it and Chesa has made some significant changes to its funding and board and they've been doing some more drilling. So we just thought we would add for the listener, the update, and Mike's uh, agreed to come in and tell us about the changes. So, Mike, can you start off with the, the board and the funding, what's happened uh, since we spoke a couple of weeks ago? Thanks, Peter, and good to be back. Um, well, the first, the first significant event for us is a real strengthening of our corporate uh, team in the, in the addition of Mark Connolly to um, Chesser as a non-executive chair. He uh, brings a wealth of experience in, in West Africa and, and the industry. There probably aren't too many people in, in West Africa who've had a, a track record as successful as his. Um, and the bar is, is always set with, with the Papillion Focola acquisition merger with, with B2 Gold, but also a significant other. He was chairman at, at Toro Gold, a private company that was taken over by Resolute Minerals last year. Um, obviously, Adamus, um, Cardinal Resources, uh, his his in track record in 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 Senegal and and Mali um, and uh, Ghana etc. has been um, 
will, will be a fantastic addition to, to, to us. And that's particularly important as we are starting to look to ramp up to the resource that we spoke about earlier in terms of trying to move the company forward to, to defining a resource at Ambassad. The, the raise that we did of $6 million was heavily, um, heavily supported. We had to cut that back significantly. But it gives us the budget and um, the, the runway to, to really advance the drilling at Area A, look at what we get at, at Area D from the current results, which are still pending. And we've just released some results today, actually, that, that give us a very strong and positive indication um, for the Western Splay as, as a new target. Yeah, so, um, Michael, the, uh, the addition of Mark, uh, Connolly uh, comes at an as an interesting juncture because uh, clearly Chessa has made a discovery uh, the the significance of which is still to be determined but it looks very exciting and I think Mark's uh, expertise in project development uh, you know bringing a discovery through to to the marketplace is going to be useful I mean really imperative for a company like Chessa to have someone with that sort of experience on the board. Absolutely. It's, it's validation, we, we think or believe, of, of the discovery and its potential for development and then the future of what that may develop, development, how that may actually end up, be it an acquisition. Discussion. Yeah. So, Michael, you've also uh, got back into Diamba Sud and done some uh, drilling and you've come out with some decent results even just today. Can you just run us through uh, the significance is 22 metres at 2.2 grams a tonne, I believe. It's quite interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a new target for us um, in the sense that we haven't drilled it. The previous owner had drilled there, had, had got 25 metres at, at uh, reasonable grade, and including 9 metres at 2.99 grams. There's been some artisanal working there. So we've identified a, a structure that's that's at least 500 metres long. It's, it's open and strike in both directions. And importantly, the geophysics suggests that it is one of a number of structures and there is a larger structure that we call Western Splay um, that is fundamental, we believe, to the potential for uh, a significant deposit to be sitting on Diambasud. Splays off the Senegal Mali shear zone are what host Pocola, Guancoto, Lulu, Seriola. They're critical. Um, so for us to, to get good results, on a, on a structure that appears subparallel and potentially smaller than, than the Western Spy itself is a great start um, for, for, the, for building up a new area. It's about five kilometres away from our Area A discovery, but it adds significant potential for significant inventory development. Is this mineralisation under any significant cover, Michael? No, it, it starts very shallow, actually. It's, it's, there's about uh, eight metres cover and then it's into fresh rock. And the insection started uh, at uh, about 35 metres from, from memory. So it, this is very shallow intercept. Uh, it's typical of what we're seeing at Dambasud, where we don't have any overburden of any significance. We have a very shallow saprolytic or oxidation zone, and then we're into fresh uh, sulphide. So it's, it's, a, it's a breccia with quartz, pyrite, and, and carbonate infill. So how deep are you drilling to at this stage of your exploration there? Yeah, so these holes typically are down only 75 metres uh, downhole depth, so uh, that really only gets us to about 60 metres vertical depth, so still early phase, still uh, drilling. Uh, you could almost call it scalp drilling, um, but as I said, there are artisanal works on workings on either end of it uh, and some historical drilling to the south. So 
Uh, it's a confirmation of a, of a mineralized structure. We're hopeful that uh, some more drilling will, will extend that structure and, and, and identify other that's uh, fantastic work, Michael. So keep up the good work. And uh, that, I think, really updates our listener on on what you've done uh, with the uh, corporate structure and the financing to take you forward. And we'll be watching closely to see how those drill results come through when they uh, go through the assay laboratory over the next uh, couple of weeks or months. Thanks. Yeah. And then, and then more importantly, we're now funded to start pushing uh, to our plans to, uh, to resource maybe by the end of next year. So, so being fully funded, $6 million in the bank gives us one way to do that. So it's a really exciting time. Okay, well, congratulations with the uh, work that you've done there and the, uh, the, you know, you've positioned yourself very strongly for the next 12 months. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure.